Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Rochelle. Rochelle, how's it going today? It's going really good. A little tired. It's kind of early. We're having to do this a little earlier than normal since you're fixing to be on the road. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm packing up today and going up to do a contest up in Illinois, and we'll talk about that one a little later on. But hey, what do you want to talk about this week? Uh, another week in the books, another podcast to do. Um, well, this past weekend we had an SEA contest in Corinth. The whole family went. Good times. Michael's birthday. Man, we had a had a. Uh, Really good time. The Joey put on a good contest there at the yeah, Alcorn yeah, County yeah. Fair. That was a great little contest. It was you could tell it was run by cooks because the cooks meeting was, um, you know, concise. Everything was and, fast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like about it because it was smooth. You know, yeah. they, had, they had it down. There wasn't no no uh, no filler. No 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 nothing taking up too yeah. much time. It was just get in there. Let's pick our steaks. Let's get them cooked. Watch a little football. Turn them in and then go home, and that's yeah. that's the way I like to do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what makes the steak contest fun is they're quick. I mean, we were um, done with that contest and on the road at what four? Oh heck, it was before that. We were yeah. we were at that pizza joint. What was the name of that pizza? Pizza Grocery, I think it was, was in, right in Corinth. Yeah, it was right across town, and it's a little. I guess it's a hometown pizza place. I mean, we went there and watched some of the uh, football game. Was it Auburn LSU? We watched there. Yes, it? good yes. game. Yeah. That wasn't really the pizza. Good hey, I, the pizza was good. We that had was some the good best pizza game there. All weekend, I think. What was that one we got with the uh, goat cheese? It was. Oh, it, it had it, um, roasted duck onion. Yeah, it was it had duck and onion jam. Duck and roasted onion and goat jam. cheese. And man, it was good. It was yeah. a good pizza. I think that's the one you picked out. I went with the oh. buffalo chicken style. They had like you could get whatever size pizza you wanted, but we we then. Instead of just ordering like one pizza, and we just ordered everybody got a small one, and we all shared, mm-hmm. so you could try different kinds. That's what that's what I like to do. Um, of course, Michael well, had to go pepperoni. Well, how did you finish in the snake? I did great. I, hey, another top. I finished fifth. That's another top five. Mark Williams was right behind me with his grill of grill and sixth. Um, who else? Uh, Josh Hawkins. He was second. And I talked about Jay so bad last week. I he guess in the podcast, I talked him up. Topped him up. He went on and won it. Yeah. And I'm, hey, he had a brand new, uh, he's working on a new beef rub. Mojo like a, beef or something? Mojo beef. He broke it out. He had a prototype. Yeah. He brought me a bottle of it that morning. And I tasted it. It's good stuff. But I was like, man, I don't know, Jay. You going to run it the first time in a contest? I never tried it. And he said, man, I'm, I'm doing it. And uh, man, it he showed it. Paid us. off. Yeah. Paid off. First place. First place. Congratulations, already, Tennessee Mojo. He already had the um, golden ticket. Josh Hawkins already had the golden ticket. So it moved down to third place. And it was a guy. Um, oh man, I think I met I met him, but I didn't get his name. I can't remember. You know, I'm bad with names. But I think they were are they from Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think, I think he's so. Going. He's, he's going. He's he going. was excited. Heck, yeah, I would be too, man. That's what's good about this time of year. Most of the people that are at the top have already qualified. So if you jump in one of these state contests, even if you're just finishing in the top ten, you still got a shot to qualify yeah. because you Especially never know how. Five, I, yeah. I know I saw the. Um, I think it was a grapevine second day contest this weekend over in Texas. It it passed down all the way through the top ten. Oh, like, really? I don't even know how they figure out after tenth who they give it to. I think they have to wait till Monday till they figure out all the points and everything to figure out who gets it because it. I mean, everybody in the top ten had qualified at that contest, so That's you just crazy. never know. You never know how it's going to go. So, what did Jay win? Was it a thousand dollars? Thousand bucks, some kind Pretty of cool uh, knife. A new knife. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's a cool trophy, you know, he already because had it ticket. says, um, you know, first place, grand champion, or whatever. Something different. Yeah. I, I, man, I like I like getting stuff like that. It's something you could put on a shelf. Yeah, it's still cool. just uh, the old bowling trophy. Bowling trophies, yeah. Um, but we had a good time. Michael had a good cooked, steak. Michael My- cooked his first um, SCA contest. You have to be 18 How to much cook did you food. help him? Because I was going to be hands off. I was going to be like, he wants to do it. He's nine years old, grown man. He needs to do it. <laughs> I advised him. When we were picking their steaks, I said, that's a really good one, and this is a really good one. And he picked one of those two. And then the second, I, you know, I was trying to explain to him while we were in line and everything what he's looking for. And then the second time around, he picked it. So, And kind of the same thing with everything. Um, 
but really he did most of it. He cooked it. He seasoned it completely. He went, um, he, he wanted to use white lightning. Ah, and, traitor. <laughs> and hot rub. Hey, at least, least he used the hot rub. Yeah. And, um, no, that white lightning's good stuff. It is. I think he likes the name more than anything. That's what it is. <laughs> and uh, be like his old man. Yeah, he seasoned it himself. I helped him trim one and showed him how to do it, and he trimmed the second. Um, he cooked them himself, really. Uh, I, you know, I, I think... Uh, I helped him... I started a fire for y'all. Yeah. I had that ready. Y'all were inside. What y'all were doing? He poured the charcoal out. Out of the chimney? Yeah. Oh, I poured nice. the charcoal out of the chimney. Set his grill grates up. We cleaned them. I mean, I was there walking him through it, but he really did it all by himself. Did you let him turn them in? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I walked with him and took some pictures and stuff, but... Good deal. I know we had a good time. Well, I Some um, of us had a little bit too good a time. <laughs> For a minute. This week you did a spinella steak. I did, man. You know, everybody knows, well, you may not know what it's called, but you know it's the best part of the ribeye. It's the part, it's the front part of a ribeye after they cut it back. It's on down kind of from the chuck end, which is like the, the end closest to the shoulder, where that real tender meat is right on the front of the ribeye. And, you know, the ribeye is kind of made up of the loin, and it's got this cap, the ribeye cap or spinalis over it. That's what makes that tender meat. That's what the actual it's name of that marble. muscle is. Yeah. A lot of marbling in there. I mean. Very tender. It's, it's probably it's equal. I mean, I wouldn't say it's equal fat and, and lean meat, but it's well marbled. And it's got a ton, a ton of flavor. And I've been wanting to cook one of these for a long time, and well, I never can't find them. just the spinalis. Yeah. So, just the spinalis, not the ribeye, just the cap of it. I've heard, say, I heard of the chefs taking them off. They'll take those caps off whole, and then they'll stuff them and roll them up and tie them. You're talking about, like, if it's a whole big ribeye. Yeah, just you take the cap off, cap and you got this, you know, two or three-pound piece of ribeye cap, yeah, spinalis like cap. pork belly, I'd imagine. Well, what they did at Costco, where I found these, they had just rolled them up, tied them, and then come back and cut them in uh, probably about two-inch thick steaks. And I'd seen them before, but every time I went in there to get one, they've, they've been sold out or they didn't have any. And I've, I've even asked the butcher, like, man, come on, sell me one of those before y'all cut them up. Can't do it. I mean, they just, they won't do it. I don't know if they're cutting them or they're coming in cutting tied. But anyway, I found them when I went yeah. last time. And that, we were just strolling through. They didn't have many. Yeah. I think there might have been a, one more package. There wasn't a lot for me to choose from. And I, I mean, I, I choose the, the package that looked like it was the best. It was like, it's about was 28 bucks. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. 28 bucks for two spinalis I mean, that's steaks. pretty expensive, but you got to think, I mean, 14 bucks a piece? Heck, I pay that way more than that to go to a steakhouse and eat a, oh, and yeah. eat a steak. So, it ain't like, I be honest, I didn't care what it cost. I was just <laughs> grabbing it. I was like, and I knew I wanted it because so I knew excited. I wanted to do it in a video. And I've been saying it for a while. And I've even told people, yeah, you got to get these spinalis steaks from Costco. And I've never had one. <laughs> I just recommended them. Just knowing how good it was. And, oh, man. I'm telling you. It was good. It, oh, that's, well, a, that's probably, let's probably talk the best steak you, you could eat, honestly. Yeah. Let's talk about what you did to it. I did it simple. You didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to it. No, it was already tied up, and all I did was put some AP on it, put a little bit of hot rub on it, just like I do at a contest, and then cooked it on a hot PK. And I just standard, you know, I was just getting some grill marks on it. Two minutes each side, or two minutes, and then twist it in two minutes. That creates that diamond pattern on the grill. Flip it over, do the same thing, and then just watch the temp. Um, I was looking for. You know, just a little bit over 120 because that's the way I like to eat ribeye. If you, I mean, some people they want to, you know, go on and cook it all the way till it's dead. <laughs> I like it still have some color to it. No, I, I mean, I, that's just where I like them. And that, it was tricky I would say, though. If I'm you gonna say it's tricky. A, a little more done, that would be a good one to, to cook a medium. Yeah, well, it probably Cause would because so if you cook, if you did cook it on up to medium well, it'd probably still have a lot of juice. Yeah. But, I just don't recommend it. I don't. <laughs> I'm anti anything over me. I don't like medium. I hate in the SCA yeah. contest. We got to cook the medium. I don't know why it can't be medium rare. I guess just some judges would be offended by medium rare. I don't yeah. know. But I mean, the the spinalis was a little tricky to cook because of the fat content in it. It gave you some different readings. So you would stick a thermo the thermal pin in on one side, and it'd be like 
one one sixteen, you know, it'd be under. And then you'd move to another place, and like you'd probably hit a piece of fat or a pot a spot where there's a lot of moisture in it, and it'd be like one hundred forty six. So, and so is that just because of the fat content? It's just it's, it's just because of the way. Yeah, that's I mean the way. The way temperatures move throughout a steak, it has to do with the moisture content, the way it's cooking out. And so when you get a fattier piece that has more moisture into it, it's different texture. You know, the meat's a different texture in there. Fat's a lot different uh, texture than lean meat. And so when you get one of those areas, it's going to read different. Yeah, that and makes so, sense. so what I had to do was just kind of go in the steak and then find the coolest spot where it was reading. That's what I went by. Mm-hmm. And so I knew when I, you know, went in, no matter if I saw like a higher higher degree in one place i'd move i'd move to another area find that low spot and then when it got to about 122 that's when i knew it was done for me yeah and then i just let them rest so it took about i don't well, know 10 minutes tops with a compound butter yeah oh man that steak butter that was really good we used you used the rest of that it's green beans last yeah. night and it was good <laughs> i'm telling you I don't normally just eat butter by itself. <laughs> that, <laughs> I would eat that. I don't know about that. <laughs> First mayonnaise, now butter. <laughs> so I took a shallot, like half a shallot, and I think I said two tablespoons, whatever. I didn't I didn't measure it. Half a shallot. I roasted some garlic uh, last weekend in the oven. Just did, I don't know. You did several cloves. I did about eight cloves. I just yeah. did the little cupcake. I got your cupcake tray <laughs> and put some of those little liners in there and cut the Cut the tops off about eight garlic bulbs and put them in there on 350. Didn't take but about 45 minutes. Yeah. Doesn't and take we've long. been using them for all kinds of stuff for snacks sometimes. Oh, I'll pop yeah. them all out in the little uh, Tupperware, you know, dish with the lid. Just clean, get all the clothes out, keep them in there. And man, they'll stay in the refrigerator for a long time. Yeah, I've been using them in recipes and things. The They're roasted good. garlic, it gives it so much more flavor. It does. And so I used about four or five of those cloves you. and the butter. And then just, a t- I think it was a t- two teaspoons, two heaping teaspoons of steak rub. Sick, a stick of, uh, I did, it was European butter. It was like that Land O'Lakes black box. I mean, I, I, yeah, you know, it's it, it could have been. Butter. Could have been whatever. You could have used just regular old store brand butter. Did you put any additional salt in it, or was it just just the steak, steak rub? That was it. It was simple. What I do is I let the butter sit out for about an hour or so on the counter, then put it in a bowl and put the rest of the ingredients in there, stir it up with a fork real good, and then kind of scrape it back on some plastic wrap and kind of form it into, you know, like a, a stick or a log shape, and then wrap it up with that plastic wrap real tight and stick it back in the refrigerator, and it'll it'll firm back up. You know, it'll turn back into that solid form. And then you can slice it into whatever size pieces you want. I just kind of cut it about a tablespoon's worth of butter. And then that went on the steak after I flipped it so it would melt down. And I think that was a good call because it, it took it surprisingly a little longer than I expected to melt. Well, I had that butter real cold. Yeah. And it did, you know, it took a lot longer than I thought it would because I've done that before where I tried to put a butter on at the back end. Like I took it off the grill and it didn't really melt. You had to really let it sit there for a while. And so that's why I went ahead and put it over it. And then you just kind of, br- it brushes out, you know. You yeah, might, at the very end. Yeah, at the very end. So it worked really good. So um, we talked about. And I cut it. it. I, I know it. You just, the Instagram video. Oh, man. <laughs> you can see those juices running out. The meat's perfectly cooked. And that's why. Well, here's the thing. Um, Some people get scared of it. Oh, look at all that blood. But it's not blood, right? Hey, no, it's just steak juice. Okay, it's delicious it's steak, steak juice. juice. It just happens to be that color. It's not blood. I mean, they blood would have been it would it, it would change textures. If you ever seen blood doesn't doesn't get in a piece of meat like that. Yeah, it's not it's not blood. I mean, blood runs through Why the arteries it, and veins. Yeah, so it's just juice. Yeah, it's just natural. Probably, I mean, some of the. Components. I don't know what all the scientific yeah. <laughs> anatomy terms of all that. I don't care what it, it is. is. It's, it's not delicious. blood. I love it. Yeah. I just people say it. Oh man, look at all that blood running. It's it's rare. You're gonna get worms. <laughs> Somebody said you're gonna get worms from eating it. I was like, oh, okay, man. <laughs> what kind of meat you're eating? <laughs> I'm get That's worms. some old wives tale or something. Maybe if you're eating wild bear or something, <laughs> you get some worms. <laughs> I didn't go wrangle this cow. Did it? <laughs> Out from the wilderness. <laughs> I could maybe use a good worm. <laughs> <laughs> use a good worm. <laughs> good tape worm, about four foot long. <laughs> oh, sure, somebody sell you one. Um, they had wrapped it up with string, really, really good on that stage. Yeah, that was some people asked. They glue it all together. No, it wasn't glued. 
at all. It was just tied, and they probably wrapped it four or five times. Yeah, it was kind of difficult to cut it off. That was the that was the challenging thing, trying to take that string off. I didn't, I didn't really show it on, on camera, but I had to get the knife and really dig down in there. And then one of the stakes, actually, after I broke the string loose, it started wanting to come apart. So I know why they do it, because it's just wrapped up. It's just like a, a roll, like if you'd roll a tenderloin or something up. It's almost like they had wrapped it two or three times. Yeah, they went we around it. one, we thought we had it done, and then... I would say they wrapped it four or five. Yeah, yeah it was pretty... <laughs> it was held together. Good. It wasn't coming apart. And it was so tight that it kind of almost cooked into the meat. You know, it was, it was a little difficult to get it off. That was probably the... Aside from hitting the tenderness or hitting the doneness perfectly. Yeah. I didn't mind the string. I mean, even if you yeah. cut it and saw a little piece, just don't eat the string. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, we cooked it. I mean, it wasn't rare, but it was medium rare. I mean, it's how I want to eat a steak. Mm, it was say it was, yeah, it was right there on rare plus to yeah. me. Yeah, rare plus. Yeah. And you like them a little more blue than I do. Yeah. No, I mean, when I go to a steakhouse, a nice steakhouse, I order rare plus usually. I usually order medium rare. That's yeah. mine. It depends on what the I'm ordering. Thumbnail medium rare. I mean, yeah. I'll order a ribeye rare plus. I'm not. I, I usually order a fillet of medium rare because a fillet will get. See, I'm the opposite. The I can do. I can do. I can do a fillet a little bit more rare than I can a ribeye because I don't like. I like the fat to be cooked. I don't mind the fat. I like the fat's flavor, but I can't stand it if it's like not really hot and warm or starting <laughs> to render. You know, that's the yeah. Um, so, is there anything you might do differently? Mm, with that one, the spinalis, man, it, there's a lot, so many ways you could do that because it would be good. It would really be good, like reverse seared or just moved mm-hmm. over and then slowly brought up like that. I'd like to do it. I'd like to do it on a pellet grill and just see how it just cook it and not turn it and flip it and put grill marks and all that on yeah. it. Yeah. Just cook just it to doneness on that. And see how, yeah, just slowly cook it like you would a prime rib or something. Yeah. I mean, you crack the temp up a little Man, bit. I bet but that would be delicious. I bet it would be good too. It'd be good all kinds of ways, but no, it's fine. Just grill just like that. I wouldn't change nothing on it. Yeah. That was the really. I wasn't doing that recipe to show you how to cook a spinella steak. I was doing it because I wanted to eat a spinella steak. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it would be a good video. I had no idea. That was that's one of those that was you know first time try and it is what it is. But I loved it. I yeah, mean, I thought it was, it was very great. good. We used some leftovers to um, make omelets. Yeah, to make omelets, and I put in a stew. Well, I did that with the the leftover picanha. Yeah, yeah. the steak picanha from. We always week. have a ton of leftovers. So. Yeah, you got to get smart repurposing them. Um, and other news. That made some good beef stew, though. It, was it had excellent. a smoky flavor, and if you cut it all up and just let it cook with all those vegetables and tomatoes and juice and all that, it was good. Yeah, that's very good. That was your recipe. I said I did it, but it was really you did it. There's nothing to it. Just put a bunch of vegetables in a pot and some good meat and let it cook for with hours. Some tomato juice. Yeah. Vegetable, <laughs> vegetable broth, tomato juice, and... Uh, some good AP rub. That's about all. I, that's all I did. In other news, the American Royal was this past weekend. Yeah, man, the goat. <laughs> we got King Darren rapping, doing it again. Was that the third time? I think he's won the Open. I mean, that's three crowns, man. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean that's highly impressive. I don't can know you anybody, imagine that? Has anybody else won it three times? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't we, know. I don't, we were talking last week, like who is the goat? You know, who's yeah. done the most? Who's done this? I'd have to say hands down, he has barbecue and Casey. Any man, he's done it. The you know, only we were thing he last hasn't week, won is Memphis MA. Yeah, because we forgot we left out the Houston Livestock Show, and that's one I'm, we've never been to. But that's a huge. It's one of the big ones. Yeah. And he's even won that. Yeah, he's won the Jack, the Kingsford. He's a Memphis of May, that's it. Yeah, he's the most winningest man in barbecue. Gotta I know be. Myron says it, but Gotta be. he might have used to be, but Darren's oh, yeah. far taking him down, you know? Um, and you know what? He's he's uh, he's already in Murfreesboro. i got to go <laughs> cook against him, so. So you're going to go head-to-head with the goat. Going head-to-head with the goat. I hope I could see him. I'm going to ask him to see if he walked any different after that third crown. <laughs> How'd that make you step? Does it change anything about you? <laughs> a little extra slide up in there. <laughs> so, um, it happens. Butcher Barbecue, they came in. David Bersko, yeah. He, yeah, he got reserved. That was awesome. Yeah, And I didn't realize it, but he's in the top five in points right now. David's had a heck of a year. Yeah. 
I hadn't really been watching the points that close because we haven't been cooking many KCBS, but they got a good race going. Smoke Me Silly's up there, Robert and Lex. Yeah, they're like two or three. Who, number uh, two or three. Who else was up there? Um, one of the Can Boys, I think. Oh, Get Mason's leading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's number, number one. one, I think. Um, Invitational. Uh, a bunch of Shake and Bacon, top ten, I think. I think yeah, number ten. Yeah. yeah. So both the... Uh, they got a good race going. Mm-hmm. But um, the invitational bunch of swines was grand, and one two barbecue was reserve. So I've cooked against. I don't. I don't know a bunch. Of, do you know a bunch of swines? I don't know a bunch of swines. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Heck yeah. <laughs> but Shout yeah, out. so we're gonna. You're gonna go. You and Wyland are gonna go head to head with the goats. Oh, I got some news for you. My jambo is ready. <laughs> I've been waiting all year on it. On that phone call, Mr. Jamie called me. Said he bumped it up a little bit. He's a few weeks ahead of schedule on it, and. uh it's ready for me. So when we go to the state contest, we're picking up. We go to Fort Worth. We're going to swing down by uh, Jambo HQ and, and, and pick up a new pit and bring it back. That Monday, I'm yeah. going to be doing videos on a Jambo. i got to learn to cook on it first, though. I've never cooked on really cooked on a stick burner so, of that caliber. Uh, yeah. <laughs> October is going to be the month of the stick burner. Get ready for it because I'm not saying that we're going to use it to cook contest on this year. Next year, because I bought it just for videos, but if it cooks as good as I hope, it's, you know what they say, Shell. Once you go jambo, you never go back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some circles, they may say that. <laughs> Buy jambo, win a prize. Oh, is that what the... Buy jambo, win a prize. I think the quote, the goat said that. Oh, really? I think so. I think yeah, that's where it came on, from. He cooks on jambo. That's it. I don't think he does. He do his chicken on a drum or anything, or is it? All yeah, jambo? no. I think I think he cooks chicken on a drum. Okay. I hope he's. Man, I need to. I need to tell the folks up there to put me right beside him so I can kind of do a little chicken. Yeah. Well, no, you know, not not that I would watch what somebody did, but <laughs> I, you know, in case he needed a hand or something, you know. Or yeah. I'd, when people know. need a hand, they yeah. come find you. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm the handy guy. Yeah. So this week I thought we might talk about internal temps and carryover. Hey, that kind of goes in play with its uh, finale yeah. steak. We already touched on it a little bit. <laughs> when I was editing the video, and I tried some different things with this video. If you watch the video, you'll see um, I tried uh, some different, I had two cameras going. I tried some different camera angles. I liked how you put in the, uh, the when the recap, you went back and showed a little. Yeah. And that, that was, was a good little post move. I had been kind of playing with it but i hadn't had time to really execute it correctly so this this um editing process i had a little extra time and i, and I thought it was pretty nice yeah i thought i thought the yeah. video the it looked really good i was happy with it yeah the production quality you do, you do such a good job show okay <laughs> so um i thought we'd talk about this care anyway the point of bringing that up was that i added something in there about you know internal cook times because people always ask well what do i take it to if i want it to be medium you know so i sure, put a little sure. chart in there that said if you're going for medium go for this and it'll carry over to this because like you pulled it off at 122 but what do you think it was after you let it rest um well 123 you know i i left the thermometer in that one I stuck just to see what it was, and it went up about seven degrees. That's what so I noticed. So it was almost one thirty. It was like one twenty nine. Yeah. Which should be medium rare. Yeah. You know, that's that's where you want it for medium rare. So they say now. They say what I've seen just from you know uh, reading and the few times that I've done it that most of the time your carryover is between five, six, seven degrees, something like that. Yeah, is what you can expect. How long does it take to climb that high? You're supposed to put your phone on silent before it's all right. we start hey. the podcast. It's all right. Who's texting you? Dukers. <laughs> Dukers is he's wanting me to bring him a PK, an extra. I don't have an extra PK, Austin Dukers. If you're listening. <laughs> yes, he doesn't. But um, he has an extra Weber that'll let you cook on the. I do have an extra Weber. Is Austin going to yeah. 17th Street? Well, I'm thinking about it. Somebody wants you to bring some Heath Riles pork injection, Seventeenth Street. Uh, I don't know if I have any. Okay, well then I'll text Heath. Yeah, he said he's gonna be there. Yeah, is Austin cooking with Heath, or yeah. is he cooking Piggy Smalls? So, what was that question again? I forgot. We were talking about um, internals and carryover. So, carry how over. long does it take for it to carry over to that five to seven degrees? Well, it de- I think it depends really on the on the cut of meat. Um, 
you know, from what I've seen on steaks, you're looking about 10 to 15 minutes usually. And I always say rest them five to 10. That's just kind of a standard, but it's got a point to where what's happening is, you know, the cooking process is cooking moisture out of meat. So all the, you know, all the fibers in the meat and the fat and the, the lean muscle and everything is, it's made up of, of water pretty much. That's what's inside a liquid. And it's cooked. The cooking process heat is heating it up. You got heat that works on it from the outside. You got radiant heat from the grate. That's whatever it's sitting on. All these are working to push that moisture out of the meat. And that's the cooking process. So when you take it off and rest it, all that meat, all that moisture that's been pushed to the outer surface of whatever meat it is, is giving it time to stop cooking. And it's letting it slowly go back in, redistribute out through the meat. And that's what the rest does. It lets that liquid run back through. You know, it starts relaxing. It's not, it doesn't have all that heat and the pressure cooking on it. So it slows down, but it carries over because that the heat on the outside is closer. You know, it's a lot higher temperature, depending on what degrees you're cooking at, how hot the grate is, all those factors work in. It's, it's got that liquid heated up. And as it redistributes it, it goes back into the cooler parts of the meat. And that's why you see carryover down in the center. Because it's the, the, the higher the temperature that liquid is that's in the, in the meat, as it runs back down to the bottom, it's warming up. And it's so, so where yeah. it was a little bit cooler is now warmer because it's redistributed out through it. Gotcha. And that's, that that's pretty much how it works. That makes I'm no sense. meat science guy. That's just what I've, <laughs> from my research and what I've read. But there's a lot of good articles out there. I have read one on uh, amazing ribs, and they had they had. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of scientific. (coughs) Excuse me. He's got a lot of great articles that kind of cover the how it works. The science of it, yeah. The science, kind of the science of meat and what how how the cooking how the cooking works on it. But But that's layman's terms how it works. That's how I would describe it. So. I was going to go over what you shoot for when cooking different meats, but I kind of wanted to ask a few questions first. Sure. So, when we're talking about shooting for internal temps and the expectant carryover, um, does it make a difference if you're cooking faster or if you're cooking slower? Well, it, it, a target rate, it, it's easier, like, it, when you're cooking at lower temps, it's easier to watch those and easier to nail that temperature because you're slowly bringing that meat up through the, up through the cooking range. So say if you're cooking, you know, something low and slow, you can watch those temperatures climb. But if you're cooking hot and fast on a grill, and like like when we cook these steaks, the grill, the, the charcoal is probably about 14, 1500 degrees. Now the great temps probably about 600, 650. That's just how it does. And then you get the radiant, you, you know, grill temp or the air that's moving through there. And it's all, all these different range of temperatures. The higher that temperature range, the faster it's going through that target temp. So if you were to graph it, if you were to see it like laid out time versus temperature, the curve would be real sharp at high heat. And then the lower you come down, so you come down to, uh, you know, in the 300, the 275, 300 range, it kind of goes out more of an angle. And then if you're at the lower temperature than that, it's more of a straight line going up versus time. So it's slow. It's, you know, so as you, as you go up in time and temp, it goes more straight up and down line, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, and I understand that aspect of it. I guess the question is, do I need to adjust my temps and my carryover projections based on the heat level? Well, I don't think necessarily carryover projections because... You're going to carry over. It's going to carry over regardless because when you get up to that certain temperature, um, now that's that's probably a good test to do. See, if you cook the steak at... 600 degrees versus cooking one at 300 degrees when they both hit done temp see how long and see where the rate they carry over that might be a line of videos we could do <laughs> you know that's not you know, a bad idea carry, i mean i'd like to see few, like, let's, let's cook something stick a probe in it and put the camera on it and see how long it yeah it takes to carry over i kind of like that idea because i would think that you know you've it, it really depends on the thickness of whatever you're cooking um, you know, of, of course, a steak can probably carry over a lot more because it's at higher heat because it's got all that temperature on the outside right there. And it doesn't have as much, as much, you know, meat or as much volume to, to carry through. So it could carry over, but you take a big piece of meat, like a, a, a butt or something that's dense like that. And you take it up to, to where we take them like 200 degrees. They're not going to carry that far. I mean, I've, I've stuck, I've even, I have watched a, a, a butt just to left it in there and see what it does. I didn't see any carryover. 
depending on you know what range of I wasn't cooking at three fifty that day. I was cooking yeah. more like two twenty five, and it all it basically did was go down. It you know you, you got it up to temp, stuck it in the cambro, and it sat there for a good thirty minutes, and then it just started slowly ticking down, and it got to a point to where it hit about one hundred and sixty five degrees. And when it got to that point, it sat there for four hours. And we left. We used to leave our probes and our, our uh, you know our thermalwork chef alarms hooked up to the meat while they were in the cambro, so we could see them. And I never really see much carryover um, on a piece of meat like that when it's cooked low and slow. But when it's cooked hot and fast, you got to think you got you've done heated the outside up. It's way hotter on the outside of that meat, yeah. so it can carry over more. So you have to consider that temperature range. You know yeah. what you're cooking at because you've cooked it for so long at such a steady temp. It's pretty much the same throughout it. Throughout, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a that point. Makes sense. See, there's a point. Those when, you, especially when you're cooking um, long like that, that stall is that last part it's holding on to. Yeah. So yeah. the where you're seeing that low temp hang up, that's where the moisture's down down in the meat, down towards its center, and it's holding on to that as long as it possibly can before it has to let go and start climbing and really getting dispersed out. Yeah. And that's what the stall is. It's that point in where meat holds on, and we don't never cook steaks that far. I mean, you know, because they're they're lower temp range yeah. stuff, so you don't ever see a stall in them. But when but all, I mean I don't know if all meat would, but I definitely know brisket and and pork shoulder, pork butts do. They hang up about 165, and once you get past that, eva- well, I think it's called evaporative cooling. Once you get past that point in that meat to where you lose that that effect, where the fibers are holding on to the, all that moisture and it all lets go, it starts rocketing at that point, and it's going to cook up. It'll cook right yeah, through it. Once you hit, once you pass the stall, it's pretty. Yeah, much it goes fast. I mean, you know, hunger. you can sit there and watch your thermometer. I mean, every minute you're going a degree up, degree up, where it wasn't cooking that fast at first. So you talked about when you put um, big meats in a camber or a dry cooler and let them rest, you're not getting very much carryover. But what if you were to take a steak or, you know, something that you did cook hot fast, a, a pork loin or um, something like that, that, you, that you're not taking up to 200 degrees, and you put it in um, a cambro, or you put it in a cooler, or even you put it in a pan and wrapped it in foil real tight. Is that going to affect the carryover? It definitely, it definitely would on a steak or something that's cooked um, at a lower temp range, where those you know you're talking about five degrees difference in a steak makes a difference in the yeah. doneness. So if you if you take um, if you take a steak and you took it off at 125, you put it in an aluminum pan, covered that pan tight and full, and trapped all that heat in there, yeah. and let it sit. It's very well possible it could go 10 degrees over easy instead of five. It, yeah, seven, so, yeah, yeah. So what I do, I mean, I really don't worry about covering most of the time unless it's cold outside. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll just stick them in a pan and just let them sit on the counter and watch them rest. Now I have seen somebody, you know, some people put them in a little full packet or wrap them up in full, but I don't. I'm I, to me, it's, it, it'll push it over too much doing it that way. Sometimes you might need it pushed a little. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you might need it pushed a little. But a pork loin, I mean, you're usually taking those about 135 to 140, letting them carry over to about 145. So they can go in a cambro. But you just have to know, like, so if you go in a stone-cold cambro with a, with a, a something in, you know that's less than 150, you're not going to have as much heat to carry over in there. But if you put it in there with some 200-degree butts, yeah, or briskets, it's going to keep cooking it because the the heat is more that's inside that cambro or or cooler or whatever. So you do have to take into account the environment that you're putting it in. It's not you know that it's not cold. It's not you know, room temp in there. Once you do that, so if you were to drop a pork <clears throat> loin or, or beef loin or something like that, let's say a beef loin, you cook a whole beef loin, you put it in a room temperature cambro or a room temperature dry cooler, shut the lid. It, it, I would, I would at least give it five ten degrees where from where I wanted it. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to go more than ten, but um, it's gonna. Be it could definitely. It would very well probably go ten degrees. Yeah, that's just a safe bet. If I'm cook, like for ribeyes or whole beef tenderloins or something like that, I always at least you know five degrees undershoot them where I want them, and then yeah. know if they go five over, I'm probably gonna be okay on a large cut because there's always somebody that wants. A Something a little more done. Edges, yeah, yeah, it'll be a little more done on the outside versus the middle. But Well, how long do you let things rest? So Rule of thumb is about five, ten minutes, but it depends. Like on big cuts of meat, you can let those rest for hours and be okay. Because you know, when we get our sometimes. when we get yeah, when we get our shoulders or 
or we get our uh, briskets done in contest, I'm not scared to let them go four to six hours. As long as I'm going back in that Cambro and opening it every once in a while, letting some of that heat out to where it doesn't continue to cook, it's going to stay hot. And I've watched, I've, I mean, that's what I've actually left our alarms in there just to see what it would do. And they'll hit a point. I mean, food safety says it has to stay above 140 degrees for, you know, while it's hot before, yeah, before for consumption. After that, you're on the clock on how long you can serve it before it needs to be thrown out or, or put in refrigeration. But I haven't, I mean, even after six hours, I've still been above 160 degrees in a Cambro. But you got to think, there's a lot of mass in there. It wasn't just one butt. It was, you know, we had four butts in there and a big brisket. You put all that in a box and everything's 200 degrees, right, give or take. That's a lot of residual heat staying in that box. So you do have to come let the air out because you got to let some of that heat out or it's going to keep cooking. I mean, we usually go in it every 30 minutes just to, you know, and I'm not talking about opening the door all the way, pulling them out. I'm talking about just cracking it, letting some heat out, shutting it back. Well, what's the minimum? Let's say you cooked one butt. You're cooking one butt for football on Saturday. How long I'll let it rest? I wouldn't yeah. be scared to go three, three or four hours. But what's the minimum? Oh, I always go minimum two hours, but. You could, I mean, heck, I've cooked a butt right off the grill. Yeah, pulled I mean, it. I yeah, and pulled it and used it. I just like, I, just, I like it to rest. I like all the, I like all the big meats like that. I even like to rest ribs about 30 minutes at least. Yeah. I mean, just because I just, it gives them time to stop cooking, to let them calm down, you know, let that what moisture go back in. And I will say this, if you go, if you take a butt off straight off the grill after you glazed it, start breaking it up. It's not near as good as letting it rest. Because you're gonna lose a lot of the juice in it. It'll be in the it's pan. Gonna be dry. Yeah, a you'll have to mix dry. something. With I mean, with barbecue, you can get away with it. You can move, put some moisture back with it. Yeah, just pour. But a if you if you let it sit there and just chill out, it, it's a lot better. You pour you some sweet baby rays over the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apple juice and sweet baby. Yeah. Um. So let me see. What's my next question? Will meat get more or less tender during a rest? I don't know if it's going to change the texture of it as much as far as you know how t- tender it's going to be. kind of decided when you get it, right? Well, it's all in how you cook it to me. I mean, if you, can, if you overcook something, it's going to turn it mushy. If you undercook it, it's going to be a little chewy. So there's a, there's a you know, fine line right in the yeah. middle to where the, the texture should be perfect on it. But there is a quality issue. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's quality of the meat. I'd say if you buy... Wagyu brisket versus just regular store brand brisket. The texture is better, going to be better on that because of the fat content in it. But the texture doesn't really change during the rest. It's more of a juiciness. The, it's more. That's where you're getting your moisture, and that's yeah. The, it doesn't. It's not going to change the texture a whole lot on yeah. the rest. I mean, you lose a lot of moisture. Uh, it's not going to be as. It's going to be dry. Yeah. Mouthfeel is going to be weird because <laughs> yeah. if, if you cut it right out, I mean. I think it tastes. I think brisket really tastes better after a rest because I had we have been pushing a brisket and had to slice it and go and it's like man this is tight, it's not good. But then you put it in a bag, take it home, and then after it sits in a warm cooler, it's man, it's just perfect. Yeah. So, so it, there does have there there is some play to to the rest what it does to to how the mouth feel to you know a little bit of it. But I would say more of your textures and how you cooked it if you if you nailed the cook on it and the quality of the meat. Can you rest too long? Yeah, because it'll go bad. <laughs> I mean, if it, once it gets down to below 140, you got to you got to serve it or refrigerate it. Well, let's talk about something hours. like a steak, not a big cut. Can you I mean, rest the steak too long? Yeah, it's, it's just, just going to right? get cold. So that's yeah. the whole thing. The rest you don't you don't want you don't want it to get all the way cold or all the way room temperature. You still want it warm when you work with it or when you serve it. But you don't want, I mean, you don't want to serve it right away because you're going to know that you're going to lose some of the moisture that's in it. So that's that's really, the takeaway is when you get done cooking something or when you plan to cook, when you plan to cook, give yourself some time at the end for a rest for better, it's going to improve the quality of the product. That's the takeaway. Yeah. Resting helps. It's good for it. It lets the, it lets the juice get back in the meat. It's going to make a better product. I mean, it's going to taste better. And there's a lot of people who are first time or, you know, just getting started and, and cooking and, and or, you know, just trying to improve their skills. And they always ask, isn't my meats going to, aren't my meats going to get cold? Putting them in a dry cooler for, you know, two hours. Talking about the big meats. Yeah. Pork butts and, and brisket. And I can understand why they might think that, you know. If somebody's never done it, I guess it yeah. probably does sound a little weird. But, 
I mean, they're not. I found that you still got to have gloves on to, to work with it, even after you know four or five hours. It's still hot. Yeah, especially if you put it. You know, you don't put a small button, a big. Yeah, glue I'm not or something putting like a yeah, hundred quart egg glue. We're not. We're not putting yeah. a button that. If you use your space right, it'll stay hot for a very long time. Even a styrofoam cooler. I've used those cheap, you know, ice coolers you can get at the, at the gas station or whatever. Put a bag of ice in. Those things hold really well. Yeah. So, if we're going to talk internal temps with steaks, is there a difference? You know, you've got a fillet, a strip, a ribeye, even flat iron, flank, skirt steaks, all those. Do you take them to different internal temps? Or is it? All it's all the same. same. It's all yeah. It's all the same rule for as far as beef doneness. The, the way they break them down, it, it usually it's by the cut of meat. Not I mean not cut the type of meat. Yeah. So pork has a different scale of you know where it's considered done. Um, you know, chicken has a different one. So that's that's usually that's the only place you see it broke down from cuts. It's not going to change. Um, a medium rare ribeye is the same as a medium rare a fillet. Different than you're going to cook a steak. Well, just because of, you're you're thinking about the the actual like dense density of the meat and where you want it. I mean, you're not going to cook a brisket to medium. You know, you're not going to take it off at one thirty five. You couldn't eat it. So, <laughs> so larger cuts like your roast cuts and, and cuts that don't don't have as much marbling or or their muscles that really get worked on the animal are better suited for roasting or braising or you know low and slow cooking. Yeah. And that's what it breaks down the, that that dense muscle fiber. It breaks down that fat that's in it, that, all the collagen, and and it just slowly over time and heat, it makes those meats uh, more palatable. I mean, they're they're better. Yeah. I mean, you take the short ribs for instance; they get you know that that part of the cow gets worked a lot, but then they got some great meat right there in that chuck area, up in that. So you think they're up closer to the shoulder? That's where that the chuck area is, where, where those ribs are, right there on the flank, and they're. They get a lot of work, but once you break them down, cook them low and slow, it's some of the most tender meat on the cow. Yeah. I mean, it just melts in your mouth on a low and slow cook. If you try to grill those, you couldn't gnaw them off the bone. <laughs> I mean, it'd just be tough as it could be. So, so really, it goes into the preparation and, you know, not, not as much as where the, the internal temperatures come into play. I mean, they're just, that's, that's the goal on where to take it off or yeah. your internal will come in on those. But I'm saying in your steaks, do you, you personally, Malcolm Ray, do you cook all your steaks, all your types of steaks, to the same type of doneness? I do, and usually it's about one twenty-five for me. Yeah. If you're eating at my house, we're taking them off one twenty-five, letting them carry over to about one thirty, and that's it. Yeah, all of it, flakes, complaints, <clears throat> everything, everything. <laughs> okay, all the way. I mean, unless somebody really requests it more rare, or I have somebody that wants it a little more done, yeah. I'll, if I'll your leave mom it comes on. Over. Yeah, so my mom, she wants everything well, well done. done. Yeah. yeah. She's one of those bleeders. So it's bleeding. It's bleeding. Um, pork. Bleeders. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so pork. You're taking your loins and your chops. It's kind of the steak of. Yeah, and the for, pig. I mean, they've come back, and it used to be 165 on pork is what you saw, and now they've lowered that. Um, I think, I think it's 140. 140, 145, right in there now. That's what they recommend, now. but I don't mind. I've got to where I like taking loins to about 138 and letting them carry over. They're going to be about 145 when they finish, and it's perfect. Yeah, you never no worry pain. about drying it out. Yeah. There's no and pain, you, but there's plenty of juice. You cook them all the time, those little pork tenderloins. Mm-hmm. Come in a double pack uh, from Kroger, or you can get them at Sam's, Costco, yeah. wherever. I cook them in the, on the, well, I sear them. I have a big square cast iron. I season them, sear them um, on that cast iron on the stovetop, kind of roll them around, get all sides, and then throw it in a 400, 425 degree oven for a few minutes until they hit that, you know, 136 to 138. And then you rest it, right? Yeah, I pull it out and let it rest while I finish, you know. The broccoli and whatever. Sweet potatoes. That's one of our go-to meals. Pork tenderloin roasted, broccoli and sweet potatoes roasted. It's very good. You toss it in a little... uh, Honey mustard type dressing. Or the sweet potatoes go in kind of a honey mustard type dressing. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. It's like... It's good for you, too. Yeah. Real honey and mustard and a few seasonings and stuff. It's really good on sweet potatoes. I don't even... I'm not even that crazy about sweet potatoes, but... Make some... 
Oh man, shoot! With <laughs> but you and Michael broccoli, love sweet love potatoes. It. That's our healthy meal. <laughs> pork, sliced pork tenderloin, roasted. Well, um, but loins and chops, you're taking to the one forty ish range. Ribs, pulled pork. All that's you know that goes back into the larger, 200. larger cuts where they need yeah they need to get broke down slow. So I'm taking yeah, everything's two hundred ish. Yeah, hams. What are you doing cured hams to? See, uh, now when I get a ham, I buy just the store bought hams. These aren't hams that we cure ourselves, and most I would say most people in America are buying hams that are already cured. They've already been fully cooked. Yeah. Really, all you you're just doing cut is it up and slice it you could right if you want cold. to. I mean, the, the deli they're slicing them. They're, yeah. they're meant to eat right yeah. there. But what we're doing, and everybody's used to doing, is cooking them in the oven for three or four hours until um, they get back. You know, and all you do is reheating it. It's just reheating it. So we do. I do them on the smoker, double smoked ham. They're awesome, and it just needs to go back up to where it's safe to serve. So you're looking at 140 degrees. Yeah. Once they get there, they're done. So usually what I'll do, I'll take them to about 135, let it carry over to 140. And then you've got juicy, moist ham. And it's, I mean, that's, you're not overcooking it. And the people that put them on there, some, I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, we took it back up to 165. I was like, well, you didn't dry it uh, out. Nothing you can do at that point. Once the, I guarantee it was never cooked that high in the first place. <laughs> when they did them over in Virginia, <laughs> where, wherever they made those, turn the, the, turn those hams into, what smoked ham, you know? Yeah. They didn't cook them. They they put they probably injected them with the curing solution, hung them in the smokehouse at a low temperature, and they probably did go to one forty, but that's where they hung out and stayed for a long time. Um, that's as high as they ever got. Well, so they still have a lot of moisture in them, and they add. You know, when you buy something like that, you can look on the package; it has moisture content added. Oh yeah, it's got all kinds of stuff added in a, in a cured ham. Um, non-cured hams, green hams. You're cooking them same way as butts, right? It's, it's pretty much just cooking like a shoulder. You're just cooking the, the rear hind quarter of a cow. Just I mean, a pig, a pig, yeah. It's, you know, it's okay. It's good barbecue. It's a lot leaner. Mm-hmm. There's not as much fat back there. So I think it's drier. It definitely, yeah, ham's definitely a little drier. Hams are drier. If you, They're better when they've been point. cured. Yeah. I don't understand. More particular sugar cured. The point of cooking a, just cooking a green ham. Because you're just going to get dry pulled pork. I would cook butts. If, if, you know, if, <laughs> yeah, if you're not cooking the whole hog it. to make pulled pork, go for butts, pound for pound. That's your best bang. I mean, that's what's in the that's what's in that's what's in the stores. You don't see it. You don't see it's hard. You're hard pressed to go find a green ham, or it's you know it's difficult. You're not going to go to Kroger, or Walmart, or wherever and get a whole hog. Yeah. But they got pork butts, and for the money, you're going to get better yield. From what you're cooking. Better quality, too, yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah. What about pork belly? Uh, <laughs> is that a... Was that, that a ooh, that sounds good? Or? Yeah. That was, I don't know if it translated, but man, boy, you got my attention on that one. Pork what are you belly. cooking pork belly, too? Well, it depends on how I'm cooking it, the preparation. Okay. But it's... I mean, it, so it really, it's going up. Closer to like pork butts or ribs or something like that. To fully it's render. Cooking, yeah, it's you're to, to fully render it like you were pulling it, like we did a video a long time ago. But um, if you're just braising it and you want to cut, you know, you're, you're still looking at 180, 190 degrees, and you can still cut it. It's still gonna have some visible fat at that because you hadn't cooked all, you hadn't liquefied it. Yeah. But man, it's good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You know the pork. You know the one I've got a couple of them I bought at Costco and I bought those spinella steaks. I put them in the freezer. And I want to try to do some, uh, I'm going to try my hand at getting that skin crispy. I don't know which technique I'm going to use. I've been watching some YouTube videos on it. <laughs> and, I mean, some of them work, some of them don't. But the the one. So you're going to be doing some R&D. Yeah. Pork belly R&D. Pork belly R&D. Well, I, I want to do some. I got That's a couple a good things. Hashtag. I want to do some. I got, I got a bunch. That is a good hashtag. <laughs> I got a bunch of ideas for pork belly, and I, and I bought two of them, so I might cut them up into, you know, s- separate them out into some smaller pieces and use them for some different things. Because one thing I found, you know, everybody got into a pork belly craze here a year, I don't know, a couple years back. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd see it on the menu, I'd be like, ooh, pork belly, because I'm thinking it's going to be delicious. And people didn't do it right. Mm-mm. It would be horrible. Nobody knows how to I mean, cook yeah. it. Every now and then you'll find some good, you know. But succulent melt in your mouth, yes, cooked right. Most of the time, it's chewy. It's way undercooked. It's the fat was never rendered. Yeah, eating. yeah. 
they just cook it almost like a steak or something, and it just didn't work that way. Well. Work, no. Yeah. It takes time and love to break one. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah. To cook to get a great pork belly. And when it's done right, oh, it's, it's the, the best. best piece of meat there is. Yeah. But chicken, chickens, you're you just got to get it done. Yeah, I mean, there's two two tips in chicken. 165 for the white meat, 175 for the dark meat. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I've always wondered why. Can you not eat thighs at 165? I don't know. Maybe there's, I don't know. I have no clue. Maybe that's something we need to look up. Huh. If anybody knows, send us an email. Why can I not eat dark meat? Why can't I eat a thigh at 165? Yeah, why can't I eat a thigh at 165? I can eat a breast at 165. I'd prefer to eat a thigh at 185, to be honest. I think so. you know, just from experience, you can run thighs way up there. If I'm turning it in, I want it to be 200 degrees. And maybe if I had to guess, if I had to sit here and say, oh, why? It's because the, the fat on the thigh is thicker it's and it needs to be rendered down a little more. So you're going to see more of that visible fat at 165, where if you take it on up 10 more degrees, that point, it's probably like they say, 175, it's going to carry over a little bit. So yeah. around 180, that fat should be broke down. A breast just doesn't have fat like that on it. There's not much at all. Yeah. Well, here's a question that I've often wondered is because we take... Wings are better way above... Yeah, they are. I like wings a bit closer to 195. The wings are... Where the bones just jump right out. I ain't got to... You know, that's what... I like the skin to be tight and crispy. You can take the bone and just pop it right out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're eating chicken wings. (laughs) The um, wings I cooked, what, a couple weeks ago for you on the... I think it's a Traeger. That was on Memphis Grill. Um, I took those almost to 200. In fact, I'm not were, scared on a wing to go that high. Yeah. Um, but, okay, here's a question. We always take a steak to the 122, 123 and let it carry over. But for chicken breast, we always take it to 165. Is it carrying over to 170? And why can't I take it to 160? I mean, what's you can. The, it should be, you should be taking it to 160 and then let it carry over to okay. 165. That's the rule. I mean, I, I always take them to one. Especially I've the had big some people say I've seen some people say they're eating them, you know, at one fifty five. Mm. But to me, I don't want. I'm not getting chicken sick. If, I, yeah. if there's one thing I'm worried about is getting chicken on, uh, sick on chicken because I have gotten that before. And man, you talk about oh, it is a miserable four or five days of your life. And, it, it, and I don't know for a fact that it was chicken. I I was at a restaurant, had the chickens what I had. Next thing you know, I was sick for four or five days. And it was miserable. And I said, never again. Is so it like I'm regular never... food poisoning? Because I've had food poisoning. It lasted about two or three days. It's Yeah, it's, that's what, it's, I mean, that's it, was what it was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just coming out everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah, that's it. And I, and I said it was chicken. So there's, And I'm not going to chance that. Yeah. And so I've always been, I'm, I'm real, real cautious where I prep chicken. If I touch chicken or something, I'm disinfecting everything. I mean, that's why I keep Lysol spray air wipes. I'm not playing when it comes to chicken. I'm that way with everything. It just That's just me. But um, when it comes to cooking chicken, I'm very, very cautious. I'm always taking it to at least 165. Um, and you know what? I got to say... Owning a thermopan and owning a dot. Changes while you cook in yes. the kitchen. Yeah, yes. not even just outside. Yeah. I Because I feel like I was kind of guessing, you know, when you cook chicken in the oven. Yeah, well, I mean, the way I, the my mom used to do it, she, you, minutes, every but... piece of chicken got split open. Oh, <laughs> did really? Y'all, did your mom do that when y'all, when y'all cooked chicken breast? No. She just served <laughs> it. <laughs> it was usually burnt. We were good. Yeah, it was all burnt up. No, but that's how that's how I used to chick chicken before I had a thermometer. I'm gonna split it open. Is that why they call it split chicken breast? <laughs> you split it up and see if it's done. <laughs> yeah. So, did you, have we ever given your mom a thermopan? No. That'd be a good Christmas gift for her. She, uh, she don't cook the tent. <laughs> <laughs> she might. I don't know. No, mom, your mom is a very good cook. Like, one of the best. I didn't grow up with the yeah. same experience. She don't use measuring spoons. She don't use, she don't use thermometers. She just cook it till it's done. <laughs> so, wild game. Is that kind of falling in the same, you know, Man, like how? it depends. Depends on your Well, cut. it depends on what you're cooking. Because that's where, I've heard, that's where a lot of people, 
That's where you get sick. You got more chance to get worms or to get sick from wild game than you do anything because you don't know what they've been eating or what it's came from. You know, they have standards in meatpacking houses. That might be a but, sick animal you're eating and you don't even know yeah, it. Yeah, you don't even know it. But, I mean, it for me, like venison, I'm not scared to eat it on the rare side. But there's no way I'm not eating wild hog like that. If I'm even if I'm eating wild hog, it's I've heard so much, so many stories about eating that stuff. Man, it's it's not so much the meat where the danger is. You're there's it has a parasitic heartworm that you can get from the blood, and so when you're processing it, when you're cutting it up, you might even be dragging it out of the field. If you got a cut on your hand, and some of that gets on it, you got you're risking getting that infection. It goes in your heart, and there's no way to get rid of it. They don't have a medicine or anything that can get rid of those heartworms that that, that, pig, that wild hogs are transferring. And this isn't everywhere. This is some parts of the country. I think it's in Arkansas, but, though. Uh, it's, I know it's in Oklahoma. I know it's probably in Arkansas. I, I just, I don't trust it. And you don't ever, you don't ever see me cooking wild boar or wild hog just because of that. Now, if somebody gave me some and it was already processed, and because it, once it's processed, it's okay. I mean, you know, the danger's over. You're not dealing with the blood anymore. But for me, it's just not worth it. And then um, also, I mean, like bear meat. Bear meat's where trichinosis. More people get trichinosis, which is what you know, what people typically think of when you get sick from pork, um, because they get it from bear. And they say bear meat's really good, but I mean, but if you cook it, if you eat it rare, you're risking getting trichinosis. Could you get trichinosis from a? Cow. I mean, uh, I don't even know if there's nowadays. any cases. I don't even know if there's any reported cases of it in the past, you know, 20, 30 years in domestic, this domestic livestock. Yeah, in I, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't. I hadn't heard of any. Yeah. But I, you know, they pretty much eradicated it out, but it, not in the wild. What's so, that? so wild game, you got to be real careful with it. I mean, you got to know where you're getting it. I would think. So. I mean, no, you just got to know what you're doing when yeah. you're cooking about, it like, like that. Is there to eat it rare? To eat yeah. it. What about, well, we eat pork, uh, deer loins, you know, yeah, and I'm, back straps. I mean, I think it's, rare. I, I, that's the way I like to eat them is rare. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to be careful knowing that if you're going to get sick, you, there's a chance, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've never really heard anybody getting sick off deer. No. They probably, you probably have a better chance of picking up something that from the processor, if you took it and had it done. Of contaminating it than that than the yeah. deer itself being contaminated. Is that why we but process? Our that's own? why we process our own. Yeah. Um, what's the disease you get where you can't eat meat anymore? They get that from ticks, and I don't know what it's called, but it's a uh, scary man. It does something to your. You can't eat. It's almost you, like you become allergic. Yeah, it's it, it's a, you develop an allergy to anything that was um, a milk drinker, pretty much any animal. That was fed was on his so mother's milk. You can't, your body can't, it throws you into like a anaphylactic reaction where, you know, you pretty much choke to death. I mean, it, so swell, it swells your throat up. It's kind of like being having a peanut allergy, I guess. But, man, that's scary. And we, I know some people so that, you have, that have had it. You can eat poultry. You can eat fish. Any, but anything that, you know, I guess mammal. Yeah. I don't know. Platypus supplies. Maybe you could eat that. <laughs> they milk. Do they milk? I don't think. I don't know. know. They lay eggs. I don't, I don't, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Okay. But dolphins are all the questions. <laughs> if you get bit by that dick, don't, no more dolphins. You can't I eat dolphins sorry anymore. for you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah. You can't have, you can't have anything. I mean... You can eat chicken. That's pretty much it. Wings. You can just live off wings. Live that's off chicken wings. <laughs> Ground turkey burgers. Yeah. I would have yeah. to have an EpiPen. I would just buy me a daily one. <laughs> At least weekly. Yeah. yeah. That'd really um, mess up our business if that happens. Heck yeah. Um, Curse that tick. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's about all I have for. Uh, well, let's talk about what's coming up this weekend. Well, you got a big weekend. I'm fixing to hit the road. Yeah, I've like got here a truck in a few packed. Minutes. Yeah, trucks packed. I'm fixing to go get Waylon, and we're going to Murfreesboro, Illinois, to the 17th Street uh, Barbecue Contest. Yeah. Uh, it's a KCBS, MBN, and a state contest, all in one weekend. That's a triple. Always a fun. I mean, man, well, you talk about 17th Street Barbecue, which is Mike, Mike, Mills. and Amy Mills. Yeah. At home quarters yeah. in Murfreesboro, Illinois, and it's um, a neat little town. And that I mean, Southern Illinois is—it's not too far from St. Louis, maybe about an hour or so, hour and fifteen or something like that 
from St. Louis. And, man, we have so much fun up there. Yeah. I heard they've got 90-something teams. It's going to be – it's always a huge contest. Mike pretty much owns a city block up there. And they block off the streets, and they have bands, and they have street vendors. And, I mean, this is always something going on. They do a big catfish frying on Thursday night. They do – I think it's a barbecue buffet thing on Friday night. For Uh, all the cooks. For anybody. Anybody that wants to, you know, come come eat. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely run by people who, who no barbecue, no barbecue, and know no the, yeah, competitors. Yeah, because they it's make not you doing it to like, make a dollar. They're yeah. not doing it to make money. Um, they make you feel like you're welcome. You're wanted. Talk about that goodie basket, man. <laughs> and they give you like when you know, I say a basket, it's a bushel you know, you basket. You have to bring like multiple people from your team after for the cooks meeting because usually at cooks meetings for big con- most contests they give you some type of goodie bag. Oh, we're lucky in most places to get like a bag with some dental floss, yeah. and a bank pen, <laughs> yeah. and a notepad, it's about five or six yeah. cozies. Yeah, that's a normal goodie bag. <laughs> yeah. No, here you get a goodie bushel. <laughs> you get a couple fresh of charcoal. Yeah, fresh a, apples. A big like. Bottle of whiskey, six pack of beer, all kinds of, I mean, there's sodas and snacks and t-shirts and it's just, oh man, uh, what's that one, uh, is it cookies, those little homemade cookies that are in there, some kind of pastry. Or some donuts sometimes I'll put in there. There's, they, they do it up. Yeah. I mean, they do it up. And Michelle's like, not lying, it's too much for one person to Yeah, to they cook. tell you, bring some people with you to help you with the goodie bag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if one person can probably get the basket, but then somebody's got to get the apples and the, <laughs> and the <laughs> charcoal. It's country. Well, that's what it is. It's the, their barbecue butter. team, Mike, the name is barbecue team, was the was Apple, Apple City. City. Apple City. And that, but I didn't know, I mean, that, that region's known for its apple orchards. Yeah. I and think that's they why have a big apple fest there in really? that area. Yeah, I've never seen the orchards there. I never go out. There. Oh, they have, you know it's wine country too. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of wine up there because there's four or five wineries where you can go do it. I'm always there just to cook, but that'd be. I know um, Emily and Jamie went did a little wine country tour in did they? one year. Yeah, um, they said it was pretty good. They got real giggly. I had you booked up one time with Shooter. She was ready to. She was rock and roll. Ready to go? Wine some wine. I, that sounds fun. I'd do that. Heck yeah! <laughs> Somebody's driving. That's me. I don't <laughs> want to drive. If I'm going wine tasting, I want to know I have a designated <laughs> driver. Uber. Yeah, I need a wine wine bus. So you're cooking steak on Friday night. Steak right? on Friday night, and we're just doing KCBS. We're not doing the MBN. Um, we're gonna do. Man, I got some good Springer Mountain chicken in there. I'm fixing to have to trim chicken really quick uh, before you leave. Got some Allegiance Duroc ribs. Got some good Smithfield butts. And I got one of them 89 uh, Wagyu briskets from my buddy Kevin down there at the butcher shop, Pensacola. And we're finna go take on the goat. <laughs> that should be your hashtag always. Hashtag, take on the goat. Hashtag take on the goat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to get a picture of the goat. Well, I mean, we were laughing. Um, Right after he won it, and was calling him the goat, and I thought it was kind of funny. But then it, I looked on social media, and everybody's, everybody's calling, calling him the goat. He's the, the Tom Brady of barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as handsome, too. <laughs> Almost. But you know, Darren don't cook by himself. It's him and his wife. Yeah, his wife Sherry. Yeah. So you're saying he couldn't do it without her? Maybe I'm so. Sure. Maybe so. That's a good question. You're telling me he don't depend on her. I bet he does. For some things. I bet he does. <laughs> I depend on you for some things. I know. He does. I guarantee you. What they say behind every great man? Yeah, there's a better woman. Yeah, something like that's that. That's what I say anyway. Well, that's nice. But yeah, that's what. So that's what we got going on. It's probably about four hours from here uh, to Murfreesboro, so mm-hmm. it's not too bad to drive. We're gonna go up, stay a couple nights, and then come back. And uh, don't, uh, don't drink too much. I'm not. Hey, I don't. I don't even drink. <laughs> I'm gonna be here. Baseball gaming it up. You got baseball games and, and water tower festivals. Shout yeah. out to the water tower in Hernando. We're going to have a lot of friends locally cooking out there. Um, Eddie's going to be holding down for the, the Dirty Pirate Cookers. I love that name. Yeah. They got and a bunch of uh, pirate. Theme stuff. Yeah, pirate theme stuff. You should go check it out. I think if everybody's in Hernando, go to water tower festival. Support yeah. your local art vendors I, there. Have you checked the weather? 
It's going to rain. And, uh, it's mm-hmm. supposed to rain in Murfreesboro. It's supposed to be cold, too. I'm ready. Pack a hoodie. Yeah, pack a hoodie. Well. That's about it, though, right? We're gonna, I'm going to go win the contest, take on the GOAT. you got to get on the road. got to get on the road, and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk to you all next week. Before we go, Shell, tell them where they can find us. Well, first, make sure you download the app. That's go right. to the App Store. Um, we have it on iTunes Android and Android. Android. It's the How to Barbecue Right app. It's basically just a quick and easy way to search Malcolm's recipes. Um, it's completely free. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Malcolm, you can do so at How to Barbecue Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Twitter and Instagram. All right. That's, <laughs> that's your key. <laughs> I spaced out, but that's my cue to come back. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting on the road. But hey, y'all, thanks for listening today, and we'll see y'all next week. Good luck, Mal. <laughs>